Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but God is good, isn't he? I don't really... Um, a scripture keeps burning in my heart and it's not what I've prepared. Is that all right? <laughs> Jeremiah 33 and 3. Many of you can quote this scripture from heart. It says, it says this way, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Amen. I'm, I'm being stirred to share with you or remind you that praise is not pretty. Thank you, Isaac. You know, can you just come here a minute? I just need to give you a hug. In a middle post-COVID year. Love you. Love you, too. You know, this guy working, schooling, Engaging. <laughs> He's got a lot on his plate. And, and it's easy to get discouraged. But what I love is that he's not running from the Lord in the middle of discouragement. He's coming and praising God. I'm going to sing in the middle of my storm. Louder and louder. Amen. 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 You know, <clears throat> that word says, call to me and I will answer you. I, I think that sometimes we get overwhelmed by the just our own situations and we feel subdued to be able to call on the Lord. And God's saying, look, I'm standing here. I'm, I'm, wanting you to, I'm wanting you to hear my voice. I'm wanting you to experience my touch. I'm wanting you, I want to reveal things to you, right? How I many understand the Lord is not trying to hide secrets from you? God wants you to understand truth. He wants you to know his ways. He wants you to experience his love and, and to know that, that he has something for you and he's waiting on you. He's wanting to uh, give you a revelation, but he's waiting on you to, to be prepared. Will you prepare yourself to hear the voice of the Lord? Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, Brother Birchfield... My, my, my thought, man, I've been praying for you the last couple of weeks. I don't know, man, just on my heart. And most people don't even realize that, that you're here with a smile on your face, praising God. And, and he just had his second kidney removed this, what, last week? Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. You know, people give up in the middle of their storm. People get discouraged and think, you know, why, why, why keep on going? Why, why, why keep on serving? But yet in the middle of the storm, you're still praising God. 
In the middle of your trial, you're still calling on his name. You're still believing. You're still recognizing that, that the Lord is the Lord. He's still the king of your life. He's still the Lord of your home. Amen. You're still in his hands. You know what? Amen. But to top that off, they're living in a hotel because their house burned down. Right? So, so their house burned down. They don't have anything. Living in a hotel, having, now having to have your second kidney removed, and you're still praising God. Look, so I think so many times we get in our mind that, that worship has to be in our, in our timing, in our frame, and it has to, it has to you know, our, our, our finances has to line up, our house has to be in order, and, and all these things have to be pretty for us to be able to worship God. But guess what? We've got to worship God in the middle of the storm. We've got to praise him even when things don't look good. Come on. We can't bow down to the things of the world just because the things of the world looks like they're winning. Just because it doesn't look good doesn't mean that they're in charge. It means that we just got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We got to keep our focus on the Lord because he's in charge. Amen. You know, Sammy, I'm pick on you a little bit. I mean, Sammy... Most people don't know, but he's in everyday treatment for leukemia. Now, we know that it's gone, right? And so this is a, the continuation. But yet, every single day, he, he goes to the hospital, he gets that infusion, he comes back to work, he's feeling weak, he turns that praise and worship music on inside his garage and he just worships God and gives God glory and says, God's got this. Amen? Because you've got to be able to worship in the middle of your storm. You've got to be able to praise him even when things don't look good. I mean, can you imagine being the woman with the issue of blood 12 years seeking every option, looking at every doctor, thinking they'll find, they'll, they, you know, somebody's got to have a way to be able to fix my disorder, right? And, and, and her praise didn't look pretty because she didn't feel good. She, did, she probably looked depleted. She probably looked like an anemic person. You know, her skin was probably ashy white. She wasn't feeling good. She didn't have the strength. But somehow or another, she heard about Jesus. Come on, somebody. She heard that Jesus was walking uh, by her place, and, and, and she pressed through the crowd. Look, praise is not always, let me give a dance. Praise is not always, let me just shout. Sometimes praise is pushing through the crowd, somebody. Sometimes praise is saying, I, I, I just got to get to Jesus. I'm sorry, you gotta, you, you're, you're in my way. Excuse me. Excuse, I just got to touch the hem of his garment. I just got to bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Come on now. Right? Too many times we think, well, you know, if, if the Lord wants me to do this, he'll just, he'll just tell somebody to come get me. Huh? She pushed through the crowd. She made her way even when it didn't look pretty. And even when, even when she touched Jesus, she said, who touched me? And the disciples were like, Lord... What do you mean who touched you? Don't you see the massive crowd around you? How would you even understand that somebody 
touched you. He said, I felt something leave me. I felt some anointing. I felt some power come out. Look, when you push through the crowd, when you get through everybody's noise and you get through all of your stuff and you touch Jesus, there's a faith that comes out of you. There's a faith that rises up and says, I got a hold of the hem of his garment and I know that I know that I know that virtue has left him and it's entered me and I'm a new creature. I am healed by the power and blood of Jesus Christ. I'm no longer what I used to be. I might look the same for a moment, but praise God, I'm rising out. Amen. Amen. You know, the leper had to wear a bale around their neck. I'm not talking about the animal, right? Those who had leprosy had to wear a bale everywhere they went. And, and they were outcasts. They, they were looked at. I mean, if, if somebody heard the bell ringing as they were coming, they literally were shunned. People would put their hand over their mouth, might even wear a mask. Put their hand over their mouth, unclean, unclean, right? But there was a leper man. He said, I heard about a Jesus, and he's coming near my camp. And he was brave enough. Sometimes we just got to get some courage up. I mean, I mean sometimes we got to speak to yourself. Self, I've got to, look, I've got to get to the altar. I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to get to the place where I can touch him. Self, you don't feel like it. Self, they're going to shun you. Self, they're going to look at all the past uh, sins that you've committed. They're going to say you're unworthy. They're going to say you're unclean. But self, I've just got to get to the hand of the master. I've just got to get to the peace speaker. I've just got to get to the one who I know that will, can speak to the winds and waves and calm the seas of my life. And you know what the great thing is? is Jesus could have healed him with his words. He could have said, leprosy be gone. And it would have left. But Jesus is much more about touching the person because he just doesn't want to see your sins forgiven. He just doesn't want to see all of, all of the past, all of the disease come out of your body. He wants to know you're emotionally healed. He wants to know you're mentally healed. He wants to know you're physically healed. He wants to know that you are complete in him. And so not only did he speak to lepers and say, be gone, but then he touched him. Come on, somebody. There's a whole lot of people that feel like they're untouchable these days. They feel like, who would love me? Who would care? Who would even want to, uh, who would even want to embrace me? Who would want to uh, be friends with me? But I'm here to tell you that you're not too far gone, that, you, that you're past doesn't have to describe you or define you, but there's a king of glory that loves you so much that he died on the cross of Calvary for you and he's no longer on the cross. He is risen just as he said and just as he raised from the dead, he can raise you out of the ashes of your life. He can hold you and embrace you and lift you up. He can transform your life. You can say, well, I have this addiction, but praise God, he can take every addiction. He can wipe away the mental challenges that you face, the emotions wounds that you have felt he can take it all away that's the king of glory that's the king of kings that's who he is I mean Jairus 
sent a servant out to tell Jesus, my daughter's sick. Jesus, he was, he seemed to be busy, right? He seemed to be busy touching somebody else. Here's a lady with 12 years of infirmity. The moment that she got sick, this little girl was born. Think about that. Jairus' daughter was born the moment she got sick. How many understand that God has a plan? And the moment that your sickness has uh, been defined in you, God's birthing something new in life. And so as he was healing this, uh, this woman with the issue of blood, here is, here's Jairus' daughter laying on her deathbed. And Jesus, he says, let's go. And finally the, the servant comes back and says, never mind, Lord, she's already dead. He said, don't worry. She's just sleeping. He gets there and he's made a laughingstock. They're, they're out there laughing. She's sleeping? No, we see her. We we know she's dead. Her chest is not rising and falling anymore. There's no breath in her. She's gone. She's out. And Jesus said, no. She's just sleeping. He, he takes everybody. How many know that there's some, sometimes we surround our people, surround ourselves with people of, that, that seem to lack the faith to see us walk through life? Come on. We're too busy walking around negative people that are, are speaking, oh, well, you know, you got this and you got that. I just don't know how you're going to make it. And they're too busy downcast. Oh, my Lord. They're going, you're about to die. And Jesus said, I've got to get these folks out of the room because they're speaking too much negativity. They're speaking out of their own lust and their own desire and their own visuals. And I'm here to tell you that, that guess what? God sees even past what we see. He's, his thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are beyond our ways. And so when God says it can be done, we've got to trust that it can be done. Amen. A doctor might define your, your symptoms, but guess what? God is the author and finisher of your faith. It is he who speaks life into you. No one can define you. No one can say, this is your time, and this is how much time left you have. Guess what? He's the only one that knows our days, our days, our minutes, our moments are numbered by him and nobody else. If he wants me to live to 105 or 200, whatever he says, that's what I will do. Amen. And he walked in. He told the little girl, get up. Look, some of you've counted out some loved ones already. You've counted out sons and daughters. You've counted out ones in your life. And you say, well, they're too far gone. They, they've, been, they've been living in sin so long. I, I, I've been praying for them. I've, I've given up. I'm tired of it. They're driving me crazy. They've robbed from me. They've stole. They're just causing havoc in my family. All they're doing is causing problems. And, and, and we're too busy thinking, well, no, it can't be done. And God's saying, get the faith. Get the doubters out of the room and bring the faith in. Come on. 
get the doubters out of the room and bring the faith in because I, I know that there's something greater. I know there's life still left in the body. If there's still life left in the body, there's still hope. There's hope for sons and daughters. There's hope for our children. There's hope for, there's hope for our family. There's hope for our neighbors. There's hope for our co-workers. There's hope. I remember Pastor John Daniel, who passed away last year at 96 years old. He, he pastored the, the West Anderson Church of God for 48 years. He was my pastor who I was saved under. And I, and I, re, I remember their son who was, who was a phenomenal steel guitar player. I mean, he was traveling to Nashville. He was playing with various groups in Nashville. Just, just amazing. And, and he started to get into a lifestyle that wasn't appropriate. He started hanging with the wrong crowd. And though he was skillful, his dad and mom began to pray. And they began to fast. How many know that prayers, praise and prayer is not pretty? And I watched that. That pastor in the altars praying over his son, believing God changes life, fasting over his child. Mark Daniel, he had, a, he had a rough road to get back in, but God radically transformed his life. And I remember as a teenager, look, I was a teenager during this time, that he came back to church, received the call of God, became the youth pastor. Today, he followed his dad's footsteps, the church that his dad planted and pastored for 48 years. Now he's pastored for 20 years himself. Come on. Too many times we give up. Too many times we, 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 we just stop because we, we think, God, how can you? Look, they just, they're too far gone. I remember when I got saved and I was walking through the grocery store and somebody stopped me and said, man, I am so happy that God touched you and saved your life. And in my mind, I'm thinking, who are you? I didn't know them. They said, your mom has me on her prayer team and I've been praying for you. Come on. Look, call on me and I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. We've got to have the boldness to, to, to get through. Whatever happened to, to truly coming to the altar of God and seeking the face of God, praying till something happens, whatever happened to truly identifying that he's the only way, the truth, the life. Look, you can call your phone tree all you want to. You can, you can do all the things in this world you want to, but the only one who has the answer says, call on me. You've got to call on him. You've got to seek his face. You've got to... You got to be willing to, to get into the prayer clause. You got to be able to put everything else aside. You got to say, Lord, I need you. You're the only way. I mean, think about this. Because we understand that we need to pray according to the will of God, right? And I think sometimes we give up and say, well, you know, in our mind, and, and I know this is not our true thought, but, but somewhere deep inside, 
we, we put this excuse off. We pray for somebody, and, and, and then we literally give up and say, well, Lord, it's whatever your will is. Right? Well, you're, I mean, we don't see something happening immediately. We say, well, whatever your will is, God. And it's almost as if our faith is like a balloon that just got popped, pow, and this is gone. And then that way we can say, well, we can just blame God because it didn't happen. Because we told God, it's your will, Lord. I mean, think about this. In Exodus chapter 32, God told Moses, this was after the golden calf, right? The, the Israel made it a golden calf, and, and, and God was irate with them for, for having turned their back on him. And he's the one that just brought them out of Egypt. He, he just delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. He just, he just I mean, absolutely gave dry ground for them to walk through. And in, in their thanksgiving, they made a calf. They so easily forgot the very one who has brought them out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And they made a calf. Guess what? In Exodus 32, God's, God told uh, Moses, he said, look, I'm angry with these folks. He says, you, you just leave them alone. I'll, I'll start another nation with somebody else. He says, I'll destroy them. Now, Moses could have said, well, okay, God, let's, you got this. Your will be done. Right? He could have said, your will be done, God. And walked away and held his head high because that's what God told him to do. But you see, divine desire is this. God putting desires in your heart. Y'all listen to this? See, it was Moses who was running from Egypt. It was Moses who was running from even the plan of God. And in the middle of the desert, God spoke into Moses' heart and says, I'm calling you to go back and be my mouthpiece to bring my people out of Egypt. So God put a desire in his heart, right? And he, God, God didn't take that desire away. You hear me now? And God didn't take that desire away. And, and even in Moses and all of his excuses, but, 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 but God, God, I can't, 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 can't do that. He said, no, son, I'm, I'm calling you. And so it's easy to say, well, God, you know, you called me to this, but the atmosphere has changed. Something's wrong. I think too many times we've, we have this formula that, for God. But that's where intercession comes in. Because God didn't take the desire from Moses for the people. He's still there standing before God. God, you love these people. God, you, you brought them out. God, you, you, you called me out of the wilderness to come in to, to, to see these people taken out of Egypt. You, you rescued them from the pain. You rescued them from this, from this life. And, and, and now, God, wait a minute. You're wanting to wipe them out? And so we see Moses beginning to intercede for the people of Israel. Yes, he could have easily said, God, I will go wherever you want me to go. You wipe them out. You start a new people. Do No, but he knew there was a desire in his heart to see the people of God saved. And then we find in, 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 in chapter 33 of Exodus that the same God who just had said, I'm going to wipe them out. Is now saying, I'm going to bring deliverance to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, depart, 
Go up from here, and you and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt and the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give you. And then he, he, then he starts saying, I'm going to drive out the enemy before you. Look, why did God change his mind? Why did God then finally say, wait a minute, I'm going to drive out. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Preservites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Come on. Go up into the land flowing with milk and honey. Come on. For I will go, uh, I will go up in your midst because you are, obs- uh, uh, because you are an obstinate people and, 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 and I might destroy you on the way. I'm going to go before you. Why? Because Moses was willing even when the situation was ugly. Even when the people deserved to be struck by God because of their disobedience. Even when they deserved to, to, to be wiped off the face of the earth because they literally had turned their back on God, began worshiping idols. But because someone was willing to stand in the gap. Someone was willing to call on the name of the Lord and he answered Someone was willing to say, Lord, I just believe there's something that you have. And and though I know you're frustrated, Lord, though I know you have a right to be angry, and though, Lord, I know that, that you want to destroy, your love is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. Come on. And God, I don't believe you called me out of the wilderness just to see me start over. I believe, God, that you want to save this people. Somebody needs to stand in the gap. Somebody needs to praise even when it's ugly, even when the person probably deserves to be punished. You need to stand in the gap and say, God still loves you and I still love you and I'm willing to grab a hold of God and I'm willing to grab a hold of you and I'm going to bring you to the throne room of God because I know that he loves you and he will save your soul. He said, it's not my will for any to perish but all to come to repentance. He knew the heart of God. He'd been in the presence of God. He'd been right there and heard the voice of God. He'd seen the tablets. He knew that God was real and he knew God loved his people. Prayer isn't always, praise isn't always pretty. But we've got to keep on pressing through. We've got to keep on seeking his face. We've got to keep on loving him. Because though you might be like the woman with the issue of blood, though you might be like Jairus, though you might be like a leopard, leprosy, are you willing to press through to see God do the miraculous? Are you willing to hold out hope for those who seem hopeless? Are you willing to pray even when you have had your last kidney out, you don't know what's next. What they don't know, Brother Birchfield, is that you're in remission of cancer too. And you still got a smile on your face. So many people give up. But the call today is, will you press through? Will you keep on praying? Will you keep on believing for that son? Will you keep on believing for that daughter? Will you keep on?
trusting God. Because the Lord says, call on me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. He's with us this morning, amen? amen. And I don't know, I know, I, I know, look, this is probably the shortest you've ever heard me preach. You're saying, thank you, Jesus. I don't know. But I just believe that there's some folks that, that really need prayer this morning. You're ready to throw your hands up. You feel weary. And Jesus says, don't get weary in well-doing. He says, come unto me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, most people don't recognize, recognize that, that there is a rabbi yoke that was, that was spoke about in the New Testament. He, he talked about how the, that, that the rabbis would put a yoke on them that they themselves was not even willing to fulfill, right? And look, it's not about, well, it's not about all the rules and regulations. It's about do you man with a withered hand says, stretch forth thy hand. And it was made whole. Look, guys, I know that I, I, you've heard me talk about miracles. And I, I, believe that there's a, I believe there's a movement of God happening even in our day that miracles are going to start happening more and more. Not, not because of the miracle's sake, but because the world is blinded. And they need to see God move. And I believe that... that there's a miraculous move about to take place. And because of that miraculous move, there are going to be hundreds of thousands. Because it's not about, it's not about building a big church. Because when we make it about filling rooms of people, then, then we've lost the identity of who we are. Because the re come on, that's right. The reason that mir miraculous things happen is for the Father to be glorified. And so when we, when we sit back humbly and say, I don't know what's happening, but all I know is God's doing the miraculous, God begins to perform his work in us. And I believe there's a move about to take place even in this church. I'm praying, I'm praying, look, I'm not stingy. God, let it happen across the street. Let it happen down the road. Let it happen all around us because, God, I just want to see people saved. I just want to see people's lives transformed. I want to see people, uh, the, the, the things that have destroyed them, the addictions, I want to see that broken off. I want to see them delivered by the power of God. And I believe the miraculous is taking place. It's going to start even more taking place because there are people who need to experience Jesus Christ like they've never seen before. Look, we're living in a day where our children don't understand revival because they've never seen revival. They're living in a day where they don't understand miraculous because they've never seen miraculous. They've never seen somebody's eyes open that were blind. They've never seen a deaf person, their ears open and they're healed. They've never seen those things. But I'm here to tell you, some of you have. And it's time that we begin walking in the faith that we know that God is able because we've seen him do it. Amen? 
And as we begin to see the miraculous taking place again, there's lives going to be transformed. There's, there's some revelation that God's going to give and some, some illumination, if you will, to our past that God's going to be. Look, and it, it might not happen right here in the church. Are you willing? It could be that God has you pray for somebody in the middle of the aisle at the grocery store. You're walking down the grocery store aisle. You've been praying, God, show me your way. God, teach me your plan. God, I'm a vessel for you. God, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Lord, the presence of God is in me. Lord, your word says that I have the authority. You've given me the keys. Come on. I've been given that, right? You've been praying that. You believe that. And so therefore, guess what? Those giftings are not just to be inside four walls. God has called you to go out into the world to touch people's lives. Lay hands on somebody. Right? You might be walking beside somebody down the, down the grocery store and you say, oh, I, I don't know why. I know it's COVID time, but I just feel like I've got to touch you. Come on. Right? Why not? If a lady with the issue of blood can just reach by and touch the hem of his garment. How much more, if God's calling you to touch somebody, can we not believe that God can bring healing and life? And as they, as they jerk because they feel the presence of God touch them, I say, what did you just do? I say, look, I didn't do anything. I just, I just look, he told me to touch. I, he just told me, I'm sorry. He just told me to touch you. They said, well, I, I, I feel better. I was hurting, but now I feel better. Come on. Why not? Why not? I believe God is wanting us to operate in a different mode today. Look, we used to. Come on. We used to. We used to not be afraid of what people thought of our worship. We used to not be afraid to, to come and just bawl our eyes out and worship God. We used to not worry. Look, I don't even know why we have boxes of tissues anymore. But we used to come up and snot and pray and come on, right? We used to just let it all out. God, I need you. Well, the same God who used to heal it's the same God who can heal today. He's the same God who can deliver today. If he can deliver a, a drunk, an alcoholic, a drug addict, come on, he can deliver anybody. And he's still doing it. He still wants to do it. This morning, come on, somebody get up here and play something. This morning, I don't know, I mean... Maybe you're carrying a burden for someone this morning. And the Lord's saying, would you bring it to me? Will you trust me? Will you, will you believe that I am still able? It's not just lip service. Come on, you hear me now. It's not just lip service. There's a whole lot of people giving lip service to God, but their actions don't match the words. Right? They talk about it all the time, but do they walk it? Do they live it? Do, do you truly bring, look, do you, are you truly interceding for people? Amen? Got quiet up in here. 
This morning, if you say, Pastor, I've got a need that I need the Lord to take care of. It's a burden that's been very heavy on me. But today, I want by faith to bring it to the altar because I want this church to join with me in agreement that miracles are going to take place. Amen? If that's you, would you just stand right where you are? Would you find a place this altar? Come on. God's able. Call on me, he says, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. Come on. Come on. Amen. 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 I would like to ask some of you prayer warriors to join me behind some of these right now. Would you agree with me? Would you come in and come on, Trina? Come on, you pray. Brother Jerry, would you come stand? Donna, would y'all come stand behind some of these? Would y'all, some of you guys, would you just come in and pray? Candy, I know you're not from this camp at the moment but uh, come on I believe God amen would you raise your hand with me right now if you said I believe God I believe God